As we prepare for tonight's scripture reading, let us hear these words of Isaiah 66, 1 through 2. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you might that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. May we be those who tremble at God's word. Spirit, give us, give us hear, ears to hear. And our reading tonight comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 25. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who brought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt it, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that that your Father also who is in heaven may may forgive you your trespasses. The word of the Lord. What's up? What's up? What's up? Now, y'all ready to get turnt? Huh? Y'all feeling it? I feel bad she had to read 25 verses because I'm only preaching from 11 of them. Um, But it's the word of the Lord. 
Hey, I need y'all to do me one favor, okay? <clears throat> Before we dig into the scripture here, I'm gonna install that software later. Hold on. Okay, here we go. Always updating. Um, so my home group here at Redeemer, we call ourselves Rick Flair. Kelsey Bears in it, if y'all know Kelsey. Hey, Kelsey, wave. She was really late tonight. You can, we can talk about that later, Kelsey. Um, but we're, what we, our theme, our battle cry is, is we say, give me two claps and a Ric Flair. And what that means is, is we say, woo, all right? I'm gonna really need y'all to do that tonight. Um, and we're just gonna have to do it two times if you do it right. So I'm gonna, let's do a practice, then we'll videotape you, okay? So practice, give me two claps and a Ric Flair. Oh my word. All right. All right. We're filming it this time. Ready? All right, guys. Give me two claps and a Ric Flair. Yeah, that's so good. All right. Thank you for that. My home group thinks I'm weird. Well, I am so excited to preach from the word tonight. I was told this a few months ago and I've just been sitting around thinking about what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to preach, 25 verses, been freaking out. And I really do feel like the Lord gave me a pretty cool word for you guys, um, especially after I heard your testimony. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm really cool to see what the Spirit's doing between two people who've never met and some testimonies there and what we're going to get into. So um, let me pray, and then we'll just dig in tonight, okay? God, we love you so much. We are blown away by the fact that we got spring breaks and distractions and all these things and that, Lord, a group of people came together tonight to worship, to love one another, to hear from the word, to pray, and to give you the glory that you deserve. So, Lord, we just ask tonight that my words fall to the ground, that your words come alive. And, Lord, that if someone in here doesn't know you, that they do know you. And, Lord, that the ones in here that know you and are struggling, Lord, that they know in their weakness they can find strength in you. And, Lord, I just pray beyond anything, that they know that perfect love casts out all fear. And Lord, that all fear in this room tonight can be cast out because we're going to talk about the perfect love of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. Amen. All right. Can, can I get an amen? amen? All right. So if you like something, you say that, okay? And if you don't like something, I say it just to keep me on track, all right? All right. Great. So we're in Mark 11. 1 through 11. Uh, my name is David Foster. I've been at Redeemer for five years. I came to Redeemer because my best friend in college, a guy named Davis Looney, who I think a couple of you know, was living in T-Town. And I was at another church in Birmingham, and he was like, listen to these podcasts. So I started listening to these podcasts, and I was blown away by this preacher. I was just blown away, blown away, blown away. Me and wife, five years ago this month, almost to the day, um, visited Redeemer, never went back, and we have been so blessed by that. I've been leading a home group now for three years. Best thing that uh, we do together, uh, by far better than anything, um, probably outside of the two wonderful kids I have. My wife is a 10 out of 10 smoke show um, in, in beauty and in just awesomeness and everything, and she is at home making sure our two beautiful children, uh, Wilder and Deegan, are asleep. They're two and a half and eight months old, um, a girl and a boy. And uh, so I have so much to be thankful for. So that's just a little bit about me. I wanted you to know who I am, where I'm coming from, okay? Um, quick review of what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to be looking at just the fact that Jesus has come to announce that he is king, okay? Big deal, 
right? Rides on the city, on the colt. He's announcing he's king. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fact that there's a second coming where he talks about he's king as well. We're going to talk a little bit about worship in there, what that looks like for you guys. And then also we're going to really get down at the end and talk about why or what he is king over, which is everything. So I wanted for some of you, like my wife, who like list and things, there you go. That's my flow for the night. Okay. Um, I don't know what I am on the Enneagram, um, but uh, I think that's new. Uh, feel really old. What would I be? Four, you think? Is that good? Seven. 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 I'm digging Jesus' number. Cool. All right. Thanks for that. I respect it. All right. Great. All right, so what we're looking at in the scripture that we just heard, right? And just, uh, I mean, I know it was a lot to take in, but we're talking through one through 11. So we're gonna be talking about, Jesus tells the disciples, go into town, there's a colt tied. Somebody's gonna say, that's mine, bring it back anyways, and we're gonna ride into town, okay? People are gonna put down tree branches and cloaks. They're gonna announce, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the king, right? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about that little section tonight. So what are we looking at? In this scripture, the best way to describe it is Jesus is announcing his kingship. He has come to say, I am king. He's letting people know that the son of God has arrived. But you will notice he doesn't do this in style. This is not some fancy moment. Paparazzi is not outside the gates, you know, posted up, getting that perfect shot of him getting out the limo. No, we see Jesus here being humble. Humble as he announces his kingship. How is he humble, David? Well, we'll get to that. He's also patient in this. We'll get to that. And he's forgiving. So he's this humble, patient, forgiving king coming into a city where they wanted him dead. Okay? So let that sink in. Also, to kind of give you some context here, he's, remember, I mean, we're a few days out of him being crucified. They really don't like Jesus right now. Okay? So just remember that. He uses someone else's colt. If you read in Matthew, you see donkey. And then when we look back at Zechariah here in a second, you'll see both. For this purpose, we're going to use colt, but um, either or. So colt, think of it as a puppy, right? A young horse, um, ages one to four. Um, Not necessarily, and I'm not a horse expert, and I didn't have the time to really dig into this, so sorry for cowboys out there, but I'm pretty sure it's like not broken in, okay? Um, So think of it that way, just not really trained. Not a stallion, right? Not a stallion, not a Clydesdale, right, coming in, and you're like, whoa. Okay, no, little bitty old colt, okay? Wasn't even grown enough, and what I did research is, is a lot of times these colts were not big enough to properly have someone sit on them, okay? Because they were not big enough and broken in enough for someone to actually sit. So as you can imagine, just you're like, man, Jesus must have been uncomfortable. What's going on? Um, you'll see why I think it's important that we're digging into that. Okay, this is a personal joke, but like, and I'm going to make fun of the car I drive, um, but could you imagine in your grand entrance to the city, this is your moment to say you're king or queen in here, right? And you drive the equivalent of a, a, a Nissan, 2006 Nissan Altima with a cracked light on the back. Your AC unit vibrates, right? That's my car, okay? I just bought it for my mom for 1500 bucks. Shout out to my mom, okay? 
Um, it was a great deal. But could you imagine? No, because when you think of these big entrances, you're thinking big, glamorous, right? Range Rover, um, big old truck with tires or whatever. You're thinking, I want to look good because this is my moment. And it's so great to see the fact that he's coming in nowhere near that. He's coming in humble and meek. So why I love this, why I love this, and I want you to hear this, is this idea that he's not living uh, by the praises of man, right? He's not living by the approval of man. He's living by the approval of God, and he's doing what the prophecies told him to do. And I think that's important because when you start living by these things of other people and setting these own standards of the world and what everybody's expecting of you, then what happens is, is you die by them and you fall to them. And, and it's really cool to see here that Jesus is not worried one bit of what he looks like, but he's going in because he knows he has something to accomplish, which in a few days is going to be the cross, right? So also I find it crazy, just to give you one other bit of context here, that the disciples went into the city, took the colt, and somebody was like, hey, what are you doing? They said, Jesus needs it. And they just said, okay. Uh, I mean, can you imagine someone getting your car? I mean, literally, someone taking your car saying, hey, Jesus needs it, and you saying, cool. No, let's just be honest, not a chance. I mean, that's the equivalent of a car back then, um, right? I mean, they, they, they pull things, you know, people rode them. I mean, so I think that's just kind of crazy, and it's just another small glimpse of how we see God's sovereignty working through all the small details of this story. Um, Jesus was not wanted in Jerusalem. We're just a few days away from this crucifixion, the biggest day in the history of all eternity, right? And the government was trying really hard to get him killed. Instead of sneaking into the city at night, covering his face, Jesus comes right through the front door. And he does it to people singing his praise. How uplifting this must be as a follower, right? As a disciple. Jesus coming through the front doors, wanting, everybody wanting him to be killed, and he's coming through, and he's letting them know, do not fear, for I am the Son of God. I am your King. Can you imagine that confidence, please? It should fire you up even today, seeing that your King rode into danger with such faith because he was obedient to his Father. The same thing that we are commanded to do as well. He knew what was coming before him. He knows about the death that faces him. And I think... First John 4, that whole perfect love, cast out all fear. I've never thought about it until I was preparing the sermon. I really think it's a beautiful way to look at that. A lot of times we see First John 4 as this like, hey, I'm going to love you so the fears cast out, or you know, God love me. But in this instance, I think it's really cool to see Jesus' fear is cast out because he has this perfect love, not only from his Father to the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, but also this perfect love that he's about to pour out on all of eternity. So I think that's really cool. So what's important about this announcement? I mean, first off, I mean, can you imagine? I want you to think, this is a fun exercise, but like, Jesus had a walkout song. I don't know if you've, I mean, like, you know, that Hosanna, like when they're saying Hosanna, you know, Hillsong has that. And I try to get that, I tried to slide that in the worship set and Will said no, but whatever, Will. But I think that's awesome to think about that like he had this like walkout song and it makes me just kind of get fired up, you know, like 
Jesus Christ, six foot eight, starting center for the tide, you know, and then boom, and like smoke, I don't know, whatever. But I just wanted to point that out. I just think it's awesome. And he has this walkout song. I think that's just important to know. What he wants us to hear, so we heard these praises. What he wants us to see, we see he's on a cult. He's humble, he's meek, he's forgiven, he's patient, right? Yes, he is king. I think it's important for you to know right now, he's not just king for the Jews, Okay, which in that time, everybody's sitting there thinking, no, you're not the Messiah of God's people, but he's coming to command over all people. I am king of all my children, Jews and Gentiles. I think that is so great for you to know tonight. But he will in matter of days shed his own blood to save all who will accept his free gift of grace, as Ephesians 2.8 tells us, and comes over to his side. And until he comes again, this is a wonder and a mystery of his kingship. His gospel continues to save everyone, but also for all of us who are saved, it continues to sustain us. And I think we miss that as Christians so much. I really do. I think we have that moment where we get saved and then the whole uh, sanctification, sustaining aspect of our walk goes out the door because we are constantly trying to do that ourselves. We're trying to work on us individually and instead of looking up to the Lord for this power of how he will sustain us as sinners. So it's incredible to see he's announcing this. We hear these praises. We're going into this. And what's so cool, and I've referenced it already, is we come to this uh, Zechariah and we come to this prophecy. And I love bringing in prophecy because um, it's nothing cool that I can say or Fran can say. Uh, I mean, we literally are seeing here something hundreds of years ago said that that happened. And that and to me, that's just like the ultimate mic drop, right? It's just the ultimate. You can't say anything about it. So this whole thing took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, which is Israel, behold, your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt the fall of a beast of a burden. This quote is from the prophet Zechariah 9.9. Jesus has chosen to act out of fulfillment for this prophecy and declare his kingship in the action of riding a colt. This means, yes, I am king. For that's what the prophet says it means when he says, behold your king. But he is saying, I am gentle and lowly. I am meek, I am patient, I am forgiving. I'm not on a white War horse with a sword and a rod of iron. I am not coming to slay you. I am coming to save you. This time, today is the day of salvation. I want to break that down for a second. Because I think there's a really important lesson here. What we're seeing, why I keep referencing Jesus more on the quiet, meek, low side right now, is because he's kind of entering into our life, wanting to save us, because there is going to come a time when he does come back, and we're about to read Revelation and hear about it, where it's not going to be that way, where I think it's important for you to understand he's riding on the colt now because he does come on a white war horse, which I can imagine just looks awesome, right? And the difference there of low and big and right and strong. And so you see that contrast. And I just want you to know that he's coming to save you because there will be a time that he will come to slay. I think it was John Piper that just said it so well. To you, that feels like such an eternity of time 
before that's going to happen. But when you look at it from God's point of view, it's such a small, 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 small time. So I just love that. I want to point that out. I want to break that down for you like I did. And just remember that whole, if you're taking notes, that whole, he's come to save and he's come to slay now, later. And, and it just puts the gospel in a great perspective. So I'm going to read Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. And I'm sorry I'm battling a cold. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. I want to pause there. I think that's one of the coolest things in Scripture I've ever heard, that he's the only one that knows his name. Just think that's cool. All right. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Doesn't that look a lot different than what we read earlier? Right? Jesus coming in on the city on a colt, small horse, barely fits, right? Um, not even his own. Coming in, got a small little crowd, chanting, celebrating, which is cool and all. And now we see this picture, you know, this is a warrior. Right on a very large war horse, a white war horse with an army of people behind him on war horses. And he's leading them with a sword. And it literally says he wages war. And that is just like incredibly hard sometimes for me, if I'm being honest with you tonight, to understand about my God. Because we, a lot of times, we hear the riding on the colt version of our God who accepts us, who is so kind and gentle and loving. Um, and it's so hard to hear about this God who wages war. But I think you have to remember, because of his death, we need not fear. Okay, we need not fear him because the cross has satisfied God's anger. The whole reason why you're seeing this uglier side of things is because there is an angry God, because of what happened when sin entered the world. And for all those who come into that fold of the family of God, you're a part of that army that will rule here again. And it's such a beautiful thing to know that you don't have to even fear or worry about that because the cross was big enough, strong enough, powerful enough to take away God's anger against sin in your life. It fires me up. All right. So this is our hope. Right, when we are waiting the day, and this is the kind of some would argue this is kind of his second right announcement of kingship, and I think it is, but it really is like a it's a different type of it. But I mean, first, once again, I am the king who has come to slay or save you, and now we're seeing, hey, I'm the king here to slay you. Um, but we see that, and he first came to save, and so it's intense, but we know it's true because what we talked about in the different pictures. 
So I love the picture of the people placing their cloaks and branches on the road. And I think it's a small detail, but I think it's cool to hear in the scripture that they cut these branches. So they actually like, were, like, did some physical labor a little bit. So I just wanted to throw that out there. They're throwing their own clothes on the ground and they actually went out and they had to like get some of these things and work at it. And they just threw them on the ground for him to trample over, which was so cool. They were singing Hosanna to him like we talked about earlier. This is what I want you to understand here. They were singing Hosanna. They were praising him. A few days later, what were they saying to him? Crucify him. Crucify him. Kind of crazy, right? Literally, these people (laughs) were shouting the praise of this man and then turned on him like that. And when you first hear that, you think, man, they suck. I mean... They're they're literally walking with Jesus. How could they do that? But how many times in life does you and mine worship look like this? We come in here singing, right? Talk about how awesome God is, how we're doing right now. Hours later, days later, we're yelling crucify him with our words and actions. I mean, these people literally saw him in the flesh do miracles. Literally saw him and said, crucify him. But I want what I really want you to, I'm, I'm not, I really don't want to um, convict you too hard. I hope there is some there. But what I want you to see here is, is that there's a long, and this, I feel bad saying this because it's a line from a country song, but it's a long line of sinners um, before you and then after you as well. And it's such a great reminder of why you need grace every day and every second of your life. Because even the people, because so many times, especially in your age, you're like, man, if I could just see God, if I could just see Jesus, if I could just see that miracle, if I could just see, 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 I would believe, I would act better, I would do this, do this. These people literally saw him bring people from the dead, feed 5,000, I mean, you name it. And they still turned on him. So anytime you go to a place of thinking you need to see something, you don't. What you need is more grace and the grace of transformation in your life, which is the gospel. Worship. I think there's a great little snippet here of worship that I almost overlooked. But in a way, we had a little like a worship scene, right? I mean, he's riding in and people are singing Hosanna, blessed be the name. Here we go. So I, I want to spend just a couple minutes in talking about what this means. And so the statements from the crowd are from Psalm 118. And so in, in what the exact was coming from it is where it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So that was actually Psalm 118. So they're actually saying scripture out, which is really cool. So they're praised with scriptural. It's important that we praise God as he wants to be praised. So if God says we are to come with him with words, Hosea 14, 2, then that is how we come. If God says we are to come with him with song, Psalm 100, verse 2, that is how we come. If God says we are to come with him with hands raised up, Psalm 134, verse 2, that is how we come. The whole point of worship is to do what pleases God, not what pleases us. But the beautiful truth is, when we please God, we find ourselves wonderfully pleased. I think that's such a beautiful truth 
So in this whole announcement of kingship, I just thought it was cool to stop and see a quick little worship scene of people just having a good old time shouting out praises. And I wanted to remind you that the Bible is full of all different ways of how that worship looks and gives you just a great blueprint of how to do that. Why did Jesus want to be praised? It's not how he didn't want to be praised. It was not for his sake. It isn't that Jesus has a self-esteem problem or needs or affirmation. Jesus wants to be praised because we need to praise him. God's will gets his praise, and he invites us to be a part of it. Mm, I love that. So now we've talked about some great things, right? Now, what, what is this talking about, this announcement of kingship? What's the difference with the announcement now, the announcement later when he comes back? But what I really think the, the highlight of this sermon tonight is, is what is he king over? And the simple answer is everything. When I was asked to preach to you guys, uh, I told my wife I had one rule. And I, I just wanted to be so honest and transparent with you because, I mean, I, I'm 27 and I'm old to you guys, but I feel like I'm not that far still away. And so much of my walk and who I am today happened in those four years at Alabama, good and bad. So I'm going to spend some time going over a few things of why it's important to understand that he is king over everything. First up, relationships slash marriage, because bunch of you are already thinking about that. He is king over that. There is no relationship that can provide you satisfaction, affirmation, a full tank of joy like Jesus can. That person will always let you down every single time. And if you think marriage, this idea of marriage, you know, I'm a good Christian person, I'm going to graduate college, I'm going to get married, and then life's going to be perfect. From the few married people in the room, I might get an amen. Marriage will not, will not, will not satisfy. It will not. If anything, it exposes your sin more than you could ever imagine because you're looking at a mirror right in front of you all day of a sinner. So if you think your relationship or the idea of a future relationship with marriage is all that you need, you're way off course. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you and he is king over that. And that he is all you need. Graduation slash career. Hello. It's a good one, right? Been there, done that. All you can think about is getting out of college once you get there. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I, I look back and all I could think about was getting out of high school. And then all I, could, all I could think about was getting out of, um, of college. And now all I can think about is I got to make enough money and I got to do this and I got to do that. And um, it's a battle that you're going to battle the rest of your life. So I don't have an answer to how to stop the battle besides lean into Jesus. And he can take that away, those temptations, those lies, that graduating with a 4.0, all A's, hey, Good for you. Come from someone who like, you know, on the Scantron, like B for believe, right? Like, <laughs> like um, 
Like, I'm envy. My wife never made a bee in her life. She had a different color hat at graduation than everybody else because she was so smart. And like, I, I get it. I get it. But what I want you to know is, is that all A's does not get you to heaven. Perfect grades, professors loving you. Um, it just doesn't get you to heaven. Um, is it awesome? Yeah. Can you use that and give God all the glory through your studies? You better believe it. Um, but don't let it become an idol because Jesus is king over all your studies. He's also king over that job that you think that those studies will let you have that will make your life better because he's king over it and it will not satisfy you. Being accepted. Um, love the testimony earlier. If whether everybody in this room wants to admit it or not, they're thinking the same things you said up there. Okay? The most popular person in this room is thinking it. I assure you. Um, people close to me can admit, I can tell you this. I'm a very uh, people person. I, I have enough friends. I constantly wonder if I'm fitting in or if I'm being accepted. Constantly. Because I want to be accepted. <laughs> I do. Because the world is tough. And when things get hard, you just want to have friends who love you and accept you. And it makes you just feel so good. But what you forget is, is that these people in your life, they're going to let you down. That really awesome friend is going to do something that hurts you. Um, that group of friends is not going to invite you somewhere and you're going to be left out. Um, you might not, and I'm saying this funny but very serious, you might not ever be the king or queen of Instagram that you want to be, you know, that where you get the most likes and that you have the perfect pictures that say the perfect things and you have this perfect image and everybody wants to be you. And like I said, whether everybody in this room wants to admit it or not, I know all of you struggle with this in times in your life. It's just a fact in different ways, maybe some more, some less. I just want you to know that Jesus dying on the cross for you is all the acceptance you need. That's the whole point of the gospel. The whole point is that he was literally almost beating to death, hung on a cross, putting a grave, defeated death, ascended to heaven. He did not do all of that for his own glory. He did that so that you have the opportunity to lay your sin and idols at the feet of Jesus and know that you have the gift of salvation and eternity because you cannot get it on your own. So no matter how many friends you have and how awesome you think you are, I assure you you're not. And you need Jesus. And I can't say that clearer. Jesus is king over being accepted because he is the one who accepted you. <laughs> Lastly, I think I'm doing good on time. Sorry if I'm not, friend. I'm done almost. Um, he's the king of death. I brought this in because it's my testimony. And I wasn't going to bring it up because sometimes I get, feel like people get tired of hearing it, but my wife told me to, so I listened to her. Um, truth. He's the king of death. 
You're at a stage in life, some of you have maybe been through some tough times already. It's fair to say. Some of you, maybe life's been pretty easy so far. Great, good for you. Not hating on you um, at all. There will come times in your life where you're gonna have some pretty tough roadblocks, pretty tough trials. Mine personally, I was 19, I was sophomore in college, and I lost my dad to cancer. He got diagnosed when I was 17. I, got to, I came to the Lord right before I got diagnosed, about six months. Um, once again, I think the Lord's very sovereign in what he does. Um, I was 19, I was a sophomore in college. The Lord is king over death. The Lord is king over my dad's death. The Lord is king over my dad's death. I can't stand here today and tell you that out of like some like really cool strength, like I'm awesome, because I'm not. It's been nine years and I still cry all the time. I'm a dad now myself and I wish he could meet my kids. Um, didn't get to see me get married, all that, right? And I can lean into all that and uh, really, really make you feel bad for me. I really could. But I don't want you to feel bad for me. What I want you to know is, is that God loves you, and he's king over everything, even death. When you lose that relationship, when you lose that friend, when you lose that parent, when you lose that job, whatever it may be, death of anything, I truly need you to know that he's the king of it. And the whole point of him announcing his kingship is not for this good life, as we heard earlier, this easy life that you're going to come sit in my palace, eat all day, drink all day, lounge all day, and have everything you need. No, far from it. Far from it. That's coming. And we have hope there. Our hope is rooted in when he comes back to put the new heaven and the new earth. But I need you to know that when that time comes, when your dad passes away from cancer, Jesus is so, God is so sovereign. He, I can sit here all night and sit here and tell you how my dad's death led me so much closer to him. And so many people came to know the Lord through my dad's death. And as much as it kills me to say it, I would never, ever ask my dad back. Never. Because I know for, I know I would not be where I am today without it. So that's what this scripture did for me. It really stirred in this idea of not only is he announcing to these people in Jerusalem that he's king, but he's announcing to everything and everyone that he's king of everything on this earth. And I want you to be encouraged that you have access to that. So the band's going to get up here and play. I'm going to, while they're getting ready, I'm going to say a prayer, and then you can just kind of chill until they're set up. All right, bow your heads with me. God, we love you so much, and we're so thankful the fact that you are king over everything and that you announced your kingship, Lord, and that there will be a day that you announce it again. And we are so excited for that. Lord, I just pray that your words were heard tonight, and that mine were not. And Lord, I just pray so much that we can leave here tonight encouraged, knowing that you are our king. Lord, thank you for forgiving us of all of our sin and giving us access to the cross. And may we worship you tonight with our words, with our songs, and with our hands. We love you. Amen.